cross it in, looking for Garza, backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Well, hi, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to... <laughs> Wow, that was a good one. Felt that one. Felt that one deep. We're keeping um, that. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Sam, and it's been so long. Dude, it's been for I, was, <laughs> I had had that high y'all deep inside me for like <laughs> the last two weeks or so or whatever since we've done the show. And it just, just all came out at once. All came out at once. But man, I, I don't even care. I don't care about nothing. Nothing's going to distract me. Um, I guess I should introduce the show first, though. Um, this is Five Strike Final, a highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things at Lane United, blah, blah, blah. We, we won MLS Cup. That's all that matters. That's all you guys mm-hmm. need to know. Mm-hmm. Welcome to an MLS Cup HDAD podcast, whatever the hell you want to call it. We, we don't care because y- you know what? For once, once in our miserable, miserable lives, we won something. Thank God. Yeah. Really, thank okay. God. So like, like, it's been... like, yeah, let's talk about, let's, let's go right off the bat here. Let's let's go bizarro world where where Portland comes out and, and somehow just pushes us around and, and Laris Mabiala decides to not look like a drunken bulldozer uh, slash elephant combo and run over everything and ruin everything and somehow scores like three goals and we end up losing MLS Cup. Uh, what what would the mood and what would your personal life be like <laughs> right now? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It would be so bad. I, t- I mean, I said before the game that I was going to be crying one way or another afterwards. It was either going to be out of happiness or out of utter despair. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, man, my God, if we had lost, if we had <laughs> lost, and then and then the chatter comes up about losing Miguel and losing, you know, all the offseason moves that tend to happen and, and Tata's leaving and how much of a failure Atlanta United would have been for not having accomplished anything with all these, you know, Oh, I don't, I don't even, yeah. oh, I shudder. I shudder to think of it. God, I can't imagine just like how many people I would have had to go in on who would have said dumb stuff. Like, well, Tata leaving was a distraction or, or something ridiculous like that. Um, just imagine Doyle. Just ima- oh, like it would Doyle have been, been worse. A playground for him. Yeah. Most of them less digital, honestly, they would have relished it. More than us winning, I think. Uh, and, and therefore, there would have been a lot of going in. The editorial uh, stuff, like, for sure. Somehow reckon with it. You know, you yeah. have to just work through it all by anger tweeting through it. Um, and then just the mentions would be terrible. Everything would be bad. And God, man, I, I probably would just quit. I, I legitimately would have just quit sports, I think. Well, I mean, I was sitting with the MLS digital people because I was kind of working as their Atlanta United reporter for the night. Um, And like, I can tell you they were rooting for Portland, at least (laughs) after at least after Atlanta got a lead. Like they were always wanting Portland to, you know, get back in it, which I get, you know, I get it. I get that they want it to be a close game and everything um, from there, you know, so there's more interesting things to write about. But uh, yeah, it was like I was actually kind of taken aback how like openly like it was like like whenever like the ball came close to Atlanta's goal, it was like oh you know it was like a, like like audible um yeah. you know emotes. So um yeah yeah instead it's, so it, it's great because instead of that all that bad stuff happening, it's been like not only did we get the win and all the jubilation and satisfaction that comes with that but then also like the salty portland fans which has been like great <laughs> Who have been like so so very salty. I feel like scrooge mcduck diving into the pile of coins just in the mm-hmm. salt you know it was weird going into this if, if we had done a, a preview kind of thing for it i would have talked about i think i talked about it on the first portland show where i kind of talked about how like if i just had to like straight up pick a team before atlanta existed i would have picked portland probably like just from like the fan base and the the really gorgeous green uniforms and everything like that. Portland's just kind of a cool club yeah. and everything. And now I'm like on the total other end of that spectrum. Like screw these pretentious, <laughs> terrible humans who are like so up their own rear ends that I never want to hear from them again. 
it all like it all came to a head. It started with them like demanding more seats for an away playoff game. Fine, whatever. Uh, but the letter they wrote was so like, how dare you yeah. invalidate <laughs> the most perfect and beautiful things, the supporter section. And I wanted to blow my brains out. And then they get, didn't get their drums in, which was objectively funny to me. Um, even though I did feel kind of bad, they didn't get their drums into the section, whatever. Um, and then that, that dude wrote like a 700 word thing about how we thought the golden spike tradition was dumb and like ruined soccer or something like that. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, uh, what's his name? Is it, is it a, uh, a Don Cox. Cox? I believe I'd never heard of the guy. I, I know him now. He's world famous now. Oh yeah. Extremely famous. Extremely famous. Our, our friend Don, our friend Don, Good Don. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, goes and, not only puts this on the uh, the Timbers blog, the Timbers Army blog or whatever, but prints it out just for safekeeping, like any <laughs> any old white dude would do to to hold on to a thing they had written. Um, he, Don but, has his own bulletin board full of his you know material <laughs> that gets him hyped. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I can't find the post right now. I know he. Well, he took died. it down. It was taken down. Yes. Off the Timbers Army blog. There were screenshots of it, of course, because Don himself had posted screenshots on Twitter, (laughs) (laughs) which I find really funny now that it's been taken down. And now the only reason people know what it said is because uh, Don posted it for everybody on Twitter. That screenshot is now gone as well. Oh, really? Uh, So that's fun. Man, that's too bad. I'm sure anyway, it still exists just, out there somewhere, but it would take some deeper digging. Right. We we do not bring that level of preparation to this kind of show. <laughs> um, you but, should see our preparation. It is yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's about as prepared as the three minute video we did from the uh, the floor of Mercedes Benz Stadium. Yeah, uh, yeah. After the game, um, but no, Don just decides to go off on um, the loud hippity hop being played inside Mercedes Benz Stadium. <laughs> Um, like 45 minutes before the game. How dare they play music before the game? He, he demands silence so that he can sing for an hour before the game. As soon as the lineups are announced, he starts singing and he doesn't stop singing until an hour after the game. And the last person has left the stadium like a real fan. And the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the fans are just spectators. They are not supporters quotation marks. And that makes him better and he also played high school basketball, so don't miss him. <laughs> That's a Man. hell of a... Seriously, though, go find that blog post somewhere. It's, like, it's unbelievable. It's, it's something it's, you would think would be posted, like, by, like, The Onion or something. Uh, this was a Nutmeg Midnight News article, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Nutmeg Midnight, yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Anyways, they went home sad. That's all that matters. Um, we saw them at various cookouts throughout Atlanta, apparently, too, because uh, they didn't know where to find milkshakes, and they went to cookout. And uh, Seattle football told us he laughed at them, laughed at them inside the cookout. Uh, so all in all, Atlanta gets the job done. We really didn't have to. Uh, we could get into the game a little bit, but mostly Atlanta just kind of controlled the whole damn thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's that much we can need to even talk about. I feel like it's been talked to, talked about to death. And if yeah. you're listening to this podcast, you've surely listened to some other podcast that's already kind of broken down the game. Yeah, and what can you really say except that Atlanta just was more talented and better at soccer? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. how it broke down. Yeah, I mean, seriously, yeah. I mean, you just kind of the the quality difference was unreal, and I did one of those things where you look back at the Eastern Conference Finals and go, "Okay, that was probably the actual, the actual like championship." You know, whoever was coming out of that, I don't think Portland touches either Atlanta or or Red Bulls, quite frankly. Um, even with Chris Armas blowing it all the time, yeah. just blowing it, blowing it. Um, so yeah, it ends up uh, it ends up really well for us. I, Joe, you were Joe was separated from me in the press box, which was extremely disturbing and disheartening. I, I I hated all of it. Yeah, I mentioned that I had separation anxiety, and I'm like dead serious. I was like not <laughs> it, it 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 made me anxious to not kind of be in my normal routine. <laughs> like to be in like my normal seat, you know, with like normal people yeah. around me. Yeah. It it yeah. gave me anxiety. And I think just all like just the fact that there was 
200 more people up in the press box than there normally is also adds to a bit of that anxiety. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, I was crazy on just like Atlanta choking that I really didn't consider too much of it. And and I I was set next to SB nation folks too. So that made it a little more bearable. Um, even, um, will from Stumptown footy was excellent. I was going to sit next to him, talk about things for a little bit. Uh, but yeah, miss Joe, miss Joe. So I, I, Joe was like, I know what my reactions to, to everything were um, at the end of the game, but were you keeping it together at the end of the game at the final whistle? Uh, yeah, I, I got, I almost got emotional. I did like, I, I kept it in, um, but I did decide with, for like the last five minutes of the game or so, I just shut down my laptop and stopped working. So I was trying to pre-write some stuff and, you know, I just wanted to some like I felt actually kind of bad. I was like, wait, I need to like stop and take this in for a second. Um, <laughs> I was missing the game, which like it's one of those dirty secrets that um, I think a lot of like journalists have. They don't want to tell you. Oftentimes fans are paying closer attention, especially to like the second half, because a lot uh-huh. of a lot of journalists are already starting to try to write their stories to be able to get them out on time. So you're just kind of glancing up at the up back at the game just to make sure nothing nothing crazy is happening. Um, so that's kind of where I was, but you know, I kind of realized at the, at the end of the game, I needed to, um, yeah, just, just kind of shut everything down, just relax and, uh, take it in, which I did. And that was, that was very nice, very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's excellent. It's I was excellent. over by yeah. Mitch, Mitch our, our, our guy, Mitch from oh, uh, pro soccer USA. He was kind of near me. So we weren't really talking, but <laughs> at least I had him there to kind of give me some comfort. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, I did a decent job uh, of holding in for the most part. I think especially having a Portland rider next to me really kind of kept it in. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was, I was getting a little choked up towards the end there. Um, but then got into the, the elevator to go down to the locker room and Felipe, Car- Felipe Cardenas from uh, the athletic, uh, the, the jerk, uh, says something to the effect of Sam, this is go- cool for you, isn't it? You're like from Atlanta, and like <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> I like, I mean, I was trying to to control myself a little bit, but I definitely cried in an elevator full of uh, of journalists um, who were all looking at me like I was insane and didn't want to touch me with the ten foot pole. But uh, worth it. Yeah, it was Worth great. It. I got I, you know, it, in the elevator and then came out and did my job. So, you know what? Un- Screw it. <laughs> unfortunately, it wasn't hard to kind of keep my emotions trapped in for the first goal that was scored. Because it was like, totally. right. right away, I was like, okay, well, you know, yeah, the ball's gone into the net. But, you know, and I was pretty much anticipating it being called out off, you know, having VAR deny the goal for some reason or another. Mm. Shocked that it held up. I was like... <laughs> I was staunchly like, no, it is no goal until the game kicks off again. And, you know, it did. So that was nice. But it did yeah, kind of take away from that goal. And I think that this is kind of the point I made against VAR all season. Um, is that the game is just kind of being played retroactively or, you know, it's just, I don't know. You just wish you could just really celebrate with all your vigor as soon as you see the linesman with his flag down. But that's just me. Some people don't want it that way, which is fine. Yeah, actually, no, no it's fair. not fine. Those people can go to hell. <laughs> We've come full circle on the VAR discussion too, which is nice. Uh, we we started the year with it, and we we came all the way back to nice. the last yeah. one. That was good. It's good. Um, for, you talked about like journalists not being able to see everything all the time. Um, I told I missed the Parker's tackle part of it. Like I just looked up and saw the ball going towards Joseph, and went, oh, "Okay, this could be fun." Mm. Um, so I was able to keep it in pretty well there as, as well. Uh, but, um, for Parky to be the one there to make that play, the one that really gets things going for us in his fifth try trying to win MLS cup. That's, that's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Sports are beautiful sometimes. Yeah. Especially with him having the injury, you know, um, suffered at mm-hmm. the very end of leg two against rebels for him to, you know, come back from that play obviously he's has been pretty well chronicled the struggles that he's had in mls cup finals having lost four of them like the buffalo bills um <laughs> to come back and yeah kind of have like the moment of glory in that game 
yeah, that's great. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. And Joseph does Joseph. Um, you know, he, he gets on the end of the goal and gets on the end of the flick that set up Escobar. Um, he even got the, he even drew the foul uh, where Mabiala came and tried to give him a piggyback ride while simultaneously kicking him in the face uh, that set up the free kick that led to the goal. Uh, so Joseph was excellent as well. Of course, grabs another trophy for him. Uh, has a whole bunch now uh, sitting on his mantle, as well as that uh, framed picture of Joe Bendick uh, laying on the floor after the, the record-breaking goal. Um, so, yeah, all in all, all in all, all in all, the game, solid, just nice. It was, if it was a regular season game, we went, yeah, that was good. That we was haven't good. talked about the most important part of that game, which was the, Almer, the Miguel Almiron ball roll. <laughs> which is exactly, which I, that's exactly the play that happens in rec when there's just one guy who's way better than everybody else. And he just starts wanting to make everyone look ridiculous. Yep. Exactly. They were two up at that point, but he, he does this thing where he like he, he turns and moves laterally while rolling the ball, and then with the same foot he rolls the ball with, pops it up over in between two dudes, right to the path of Julian Gressel, like hits him in stride. And I, I thought it was pretty cool. And like <laughs> at this point, the video of that thing uh, has... Let's see. It has 1.1 thousand likes. I'm going to start calling you the one grand man. 1.1 thousand likes there on thousand video. It's like like it's breakfast. It also it also has a whole bunch of quote tweets from people in the Premier League like, well, West Ham could do this any day of the week. And (laughs) it's kind of like, man, I I really don't know what West Ham you've been watching. But but I don't know. It seems to be uh, the fact that it occurred in MLS. I remember invaluable. I remember when that play happened during the game and even the people that were sitting next to me that were rooting for Portland were like, Oh, (laughs) 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 there was like, there was like a, Oh my God. (laughs) Kind of, you know, you know, Miguel Almiron's no Danny drink water. So that's, that's the real (laughs) lesson here. That's the real lesson. No. So of course, you know, we, we, I had to double down and, insult the entire united kingdom and troll a lot of people it's the uh, only thing you can do it's you know exactly exactly they're gonna call you stupid no matter what so you might as well have some fun with it might as well have some fun rational with it. What, what's the uh the word and more uh, rational response or uh, something in rational response mm-hmm. well look when kyle xx69420 lfc from brighton responds to you like that you gotta hit back <laughs> you gotta hit back or who are you as a person? You what, mate? <laughs> essentially, essentially. But like, it's like, you what, mate, but with kids playing Call of Duty on Xbox, somehow <laughs> now into soccer, freaking Gen Z years with their Tide Pods and whatnot, yelling at you on Twitter. But anyway, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, a lot of other people seem to think so too. And it, it's, it's a bummer. We're not going to be able to see. Too much of that anymore because it does seem like Miguel is going to move on. Uh, Newcastle still the rumored team. Uh, we've I thought we were going to keep. Out. We could just do four DPS. <laughs> Eventually, well, that's my conspiracy is that Don Garber is going to come in and be like, "Well, you know, if Miguel's going to stay, we might as well put in a rule for uh, to allow four DPS uh, just for for no particular reason." Uh, Even if that were to happen, I still think it would be the mo- the most likely thing is we'd still sell Almiron and just buy two DPs instead of keeping him. But that's yeah. just me. <laughs> probably. Probably. Uh, they, they seem kind of, well, they, you know, they've talked about it before. They kind of made a promise to Miguel to get him to England, and they're going to do that when the right offer comes. And uh, both parties are kind of in agreement. It, it's time to, to get it on. And it's not like they didn't accomplish pretty much everything they were, were trying to do here with them. Um, yeah, and that's There's a and championship that's, now. It's just yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's that's my thing is like you have to you need to fulfill the promise you made to to Almiron and right the 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 promise probably involved you know there being a certain kind of fee or you know an agreement that you know it had to be a fee that Atlanta United found acceptable and that's fine you know and I if they haven't received that fee then that's something but um you know the the wind the transfer window hasn't even started yet so. I mean, there will be offers that come in for him and you need to, 
you need to uphold that promise to him because not only for him, but for the next DPs that you want to bring in, you have to kind of show that you're not going to like stand in their way, so to speak, um, in terms of offering them kind of what you promised them. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like you're being a pushover. I know it sounds that way to a lot of people, but I think, but it's, it's just, I mean, you can say it's stepping stone or whatever, but that's the only reason you're getting players of this quality at this age is because you're ma- you're giving them a route to get to where they want to go. So, um, right. yeah, you, you have to get the right offer, of course, but you know, you have, you can't just like, <laughs> you know, show of strength, you know, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, it's about establishing credibility. It's about establishing yourself as a team. Right. It's, it's going to get these things done. If they're going to make promises, then they're going to get it done. And we're seeing it pay off already with the way Pity Martinez is talking about us. You know, Pity saying that other European teams weren't as committed to bringing him in and, and doing the right thing by him. Um, and that's why he's going to Atlanta. So if we, you know, we see this, if players see us making these promises to Almiron and then seeing it paying off successfully, it's just going to open the net a little wider and we're going to bring in more and more people who, who want to be a part of this because they know that it's a culture and a club that's going to treat them the right way. So don't just think about it as the, the dollar amount here. This is a, this is a long-term investment folks. This is what's a long-term investment, Joe, you're old, like golf clubs. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Golf clubs is a good, that's a good, I, that's a good, uh, that's a, that's a good one. They are a long-term investment. Okay, see, Irons last forever. Is golf clubs. There we go. Irons don't change. Um, <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like Tata. You know, like Tata moving on. I think that they're the natural just like, you know, fear of the unknown of the future, you know, because we've only known Tata as the manager. So, like, when he was announced that he was leaving, you know, there's a big it, – there. it's scary. And similar to Miguel Almiron, you know, all we've known is Miguel Almiron in this team. And we don't know how this team functions without him specifically, but, um, but it's going to be good. Pity Martinez is probably a better player. He's a more proven player in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, he's basically, uh, this is Toyota football mentioned this. So, you know, if this is wrong, blame him. Uh, but he was basically saying, looking at like the general, attacking metrics on him basically pity martinez is doing in uh the argentine superliga last year basically or no i'm sorry this year what miguel almaron was doing in mls last year like just like <laughs> dominating so yeah. um in terms of the shots and in and offensive output that he was putting up so um yeah, it's good. Like Pity Martinez, I, people are kind of fearful of Miguel Almiron leaving, but I really am just super optimistic about what Pity's going to bring. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if it'll click right away. You know, sometimes things take time. People have to settle in. It's going to be a quick turnaround. Uh, obviously, he's going to get in and we're going to start having games like pretty soon. Like when, when we got Miguel Almiron, he was able to kind of acclimatize himself to the country for several months, like half a year almost until we started playing games. It won't be like that way. It won't be that way for PT, but um, but as a player, I think he's probably. I would just say he's a better player, or he's going to give us more in the final third as like an attacker. Thanks, so too. I mean, this is a a stunning signing when we're going to pull it when we pull it off. You know, things can always go wrong, I guess. But I mean, there's a million different things confirming it, including it's so funny you know, how pity Martinez. Yeah, it's so funny how like how many people, like I, I bet Darren's like the only one who's trying to like not totally confirm it, even though he <laughs> himself has like given hints to it. Yes. Um, you know, a couple like a month ago or so. Um, but like since then in recent days, Pitti Martinez himself has said he's going to Atlanta United, their president has said he's going to Atlanta United. <laughs> now like Darren Eels is getting asked about it and he's like, Oh, well, I uh, can't talk to about a player under under contract. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Eagles. Class I do wonder if that play. I, w- I do wonder if he's like upset about that. That that might somehow uh, damage their their negotiating stance. You know the leverage they have, knowing mm-hmm. with other teams knowing that they have to sell Miguel to bring Pitti in, or they don't have to sell him to bring him in, but they can't register both those players most likely. Um, right. Once the regular season comes, so I wonder if I wonder if Darren is a, is upset about that at all, but. We'll see. I'll be interested to see when he is actually announced, like officially to the public as an Atlanta United player, because well, his 
his last game is supposed to be in the Club World Cup that comes up like this. Is it's it this like weekend? Second is like okay, the so last next game weekend. he can possibly play in. Yeah, yeah. So that's his last game, and then like the president of River Plate has said that after that game, he's an Atlanta United player. So I don't know. I just wonder. I wonder if they'll wait to announce him once they announce a deal for Miguel. You know, or if they'll just put it out there. I'm not sure. Well, they don't have too much time. I mean, preseason starts in a month, <laughs> which is insane. <laughs> so um, scary. I know. It's, it's such a quick turnaround. It doesn't leave a whole lot of time for us to just kind of breathe for a moment. But hey, if, if it means we're going to win the first championship in Atlanta in 23 years, uh, I'm cool with it. I'm very cool with it. Um, but Pity coming in, Pity's going to be different just because he's it's a more complete player. It's an older player. He's 25, which I think I don't think a lot of people realize that he's on mm-hmm. the older end of the spectrum now. I mean, that's older than Joseph. I think Joseph's 24. I think um, they're yeah. I think not uh, the same age now. I think um, when we got Joseph, he was 24. Yeah, yeah, I think they're about the same age now. So I mean that that gives Joseph me some idea. Yeah. Um, so huh, it'll probably be birthday. a quick stop for pity. I mean, if he's trying to get to Europe, I mean he's 25. He'll be in and out most likely, but still next year is going to be. A whole lot of fun. Um, and it's just another example of players. What? When you Google Pity Martinez, the picture that pops up on, on his Wikipedia is just like a picture of his FIFA player. Like his, his FIFA <laughs> avatar. It is. It is. That's incredible. Oh, my gosh. But he's a month older or younger. No? Older? <laughs> he's a month younger than uh, Joseph Martinez. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but yeah, it's just another example of a player that, you know, has seen everything in Atlanta and thinking, Hey, I, I can be a part of this and I can be successful and, and move on and I can play in front of the best fan base in that country. And maybe one of the best in the world. Cause I mean, just the, the spectacle of everything last Saturday was, was stunning. I, I think it was Charlie Baum who said something to the effect of like, just out loud to no one in particular. Uh, this is a Super Bowl. Essentially, I mean, it was it was remarkable. That's who I was sitting next to, by the way, in the press box. The Portland fan, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't want to out him as that right away because he isn't. <laughs> yeah, I like it's not a personal thing. I know, like, I think a lot of our fans would be like, "Oh, rooting for Portland." Yeah, I honestly uh, get it from their totally. perspective. Um, and Charlie is a super nice guy. Follow him on Twitter. He's a great Twitter follow. Great writer. He's a good follow. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, damn Portland fan. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about this though. Just I, I went back and watched the game for the first time last night on the television, and I mean, was was getting the shivers all over again just from the whole aesthetic of the damn thing. I mean, it was we we've seen the place full before, but everyone stood the whole time, everyone sang the whole time. Uh, sometimes that upper level can get kind of quiet and sit downy, which is fine because why the hell would you want to stand up and? <laughs> Cheer from 500 yards away to to watch Atlanta beat the impact on like April 21st or something like that. Uh, but for this, it was it was something special, and you, you could tell throughout the entire thing. Um, I mean, just remarkable. Honestly, I, I've never quite seen anything like it. And there's there's literally nothing else like it in in a stadium like that in the entire world. I mean, absolutely nothing and it's right there in their backyard and that's just insane to me still yeah i uh, it kind of hit me the first time the intensity of the crowd hit me during the game was i think it was like the third minute or something and um well obviously you know you see the tifo and the the choreo and all that stuff that happens before a game and it's incredible um but it's just like this is a little thing that just caught my caught my eye and caught my ear was in the third minute, I think um, Miguel Almiron gets taken out on a foul. And when that happened, just the whole stadium was like, hey! And like, put a, <laughs> man, like, put a, like everyone in the stadium put like an arm up calling for the, you know, the obligatory, you know, call for the foul or whatever. Um, so that was just like, oh my gosh, like everyone, everyone is into this. Um, like everyone's paying super close attention to what's happening. That's really cool. Yeah, Can I, 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 sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you, no, you. I do want to say something about the standing okay. since, since you mentioned it. And it's like, I love the standing. Don't get me wrong. I just do feel kind of bad for some people. Like, I remember when I was, 
you know, in the supporter section um, before I was in the press box, you know, standing every game. I loved it, you know, and I stood every game and had no problem with it. And then, but then I would like see things on, you know, like Reddit or Twitter or whatever that was like, oh, like my grandpa, like, could he can't stand because he has like a foot issue and like he couldn't see the game. And I was like, yeah, that does kind of suck. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and like some people can't stand some people are, you know, have disabilities or just, you know, can't like physically stand for that long. So I don't know. Part of me does feel for them. I, I don't, it's like they need, like, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I don't know if there is a good solution to be honest. Cause you don't want to, you don't want to tell people to sit. That's the last thing you want to do. Yeah, but, um, I, I'm going to not get into this conversation because it leads into another conversation about another thing that blocks people's view. And I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna back out of this one slowly. <laughs> <laughs> just um, trying to add some nuance to the conversation. Don't hate yeah. anyone. No, yep, yep. Um, dear God, don't add us. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I just stepped. We're right just trying to think about other people, guys. That's that's all it is. That's all it is. We're not insulting you personally. We're just trying to think about other people and how we can better everything. Uh, but. It sounded great at the very least, even if some people couldn't see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was loud. Uh, we noticed I was sitting next to Sam Franco from, from Mott, and uh, we both noticed almost immediately just how well we could hear everything in the press box, which is normally pretty quiet. I mean, we could, we could hear every single word of every chant, just about. Uh, pretty awesome. And then, of course, the cell phone flashlight thing is always amazing. Um, it's, I think that, like, started in the state at Georgia games uh, and just kind of like grown into a thing. Now, now it's been co-opted by Atlanta into their own unique thing. And, and people around the country were taking notice of that and talking about how that was something unique in soccer culture for sure. Um, which is really cool. And it's something uniquely Atlanta, uniquely American and something you don't see anywhere else. Um, and that was awesome to see. Um, and just low key, kind of another example of, soccer fans taking sec culture in Atlanta and, and turning it into a thing, which I could write a thesis on at this point. Uh, but it was an event, man. It was an event. And that's what has been so successful about all of this. As far as getting people out there, every single game is an event. And the Portland way. fans just getting so mad. They don't need, right. they don't need cell phones to create atmosphere. <laughs> they need a giant dude with a chainsaw cutting a log for some reason. <laughs> That's what they need. That's real passion. Sam. Joe. When are we going to talk about the cup? The cup, the cup, the, the, which cup? Oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know yeah, exactly what I'm talking about. I do. I do. I've stared at it like a million times. Uh, just kind of catch myself looking at it, hanging out posters in my room of it, things like that. Um, but I, I we did kind of get to get a little bit up close and personal with the cup, but, but not nearly as up close and personal with the cup as the strippers at magic city did. Ooh, no, no, we didn't. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> look, look, there were like, there were only a few options here with, when they got this thing to take it and they chose correctly on a, on a Monday, no less. They chose correctly to go to magic city and pay that that hundred hundred plus dollar cover to get into there just to just to take their trophy and flex a little bit um and also provide some of the single greatest social media in mls history in my opinion yeah i mean um it, it, it what's funny to me is that like i went to uh stoppage t- 99 stoppage time live and julian gressel was there this was obviously like the day after uh magic city went down and um, somebody asked him about it and he was like, oh, I uh, I have an alibi like I wasn't there. And it, was just, it reminded me of like brothers or like kid like like kids who are in trouble <laughs> or like trying to like, <laughs> right. you know, <laughs> um, like they know they, they know they're being a little mischievous with it. But um, yeah, yeah. I love that. It's like it's been picked up as like a positive story. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly like any other like cd place and anything that like wasn't atlanta it would have been like oh yeah whatever but now it now it just kind of feels like mls has made it as a league the 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 cup the trophy the the prestigious philip f f Anschutz trophy which sounds like a trophy you win for like winning a mathletics competition in high school uh has now been to magic city um, pretty much no one was like, 
man, you can't be doing that because of the children or anything like that. Everyone was essentially just like, great job. Although I still maintain that you do not Snapchat the, the strip club trip. You don't do it. You don't you don't expose everyone like that because it could have gone. There was potential for for a negative reaction. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Ollie Shannon it's, gets left off the hook. It's very likely against the establishment protocol, uh, the establishment rules. But it's also just like a it's a bro code, man. You just don't do that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so hopefully everyone like, told their wives, hopefully everyone told their girlfriends, you know, yeah, all that kind of thing. Um, but even still, for some of them, it was just uh, they uh, they did not mess around with the partying. Uh, my my favorite moment from the celebrations was Chris McCann and Jeff Lorenowitz holding up the throw booze sign they had made on, on makeshift cardboard as they rode through downtown Atlanta. <laughs> that was um, that was a beautiful, beautiful moment. Um, talk about talk about a couple of like mischievous brothers. Yes. Jeff Lorenowitz and Chris McCann love just like pranking, like pulling pranks together, pranking each other, um, (laughs) just generally being little like redheaded, you know, miscreants. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, (laughs) but that's not the right word, but, uh, uh, their family's really close and everything too, but they, uh, they, they fully embraced the, uh, the championship lifestyle there at the end. Um, and they probably don't have much time to do it because Chris McCann's probably gone, but that's, yeah, whatever. Uh, so, but yeah, I think, probably they, got they, an, I think he's got another year on his contract. Oh, God damn it. Are you serious? Yeah. The, the, the postseason contracts email said that he was still on the roster as a player under contract. So that means it did not expire this year. That's right. Um, Michael Parker's contract did expire though. Um, mm-hmm. so they're trying to rework that. He said he wants to be back. Um, I'm sure they'll get it done almost. I feel really, really positive about that. You probably don't screw over the captain from the championship winning team. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I, I would imagine it's one of those things where he's either going to play in Atlanta next year or he's going to retire. So, right. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't think um, someone who will not be back in Atlanta, uh, Greg Garza, Greg Garza gone after this one. Had a big turnaround for him, too. He went from celebrating in a parade to preparing to go eat skyline chili for the next year. Ooh. Yeah. I felt bad for Greg. He was an amazing human, by the way, we were big, big Greg fans, especially all his weirdness. Um, he's the one who coined that, uh, the water lizard thing, uh, is to describe <laughs> yeah. Miggy running, yeah. which was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I also one time watched him walk on to the training ground field, look up, stare at, a few people beginning to start a rondo where they get in a circle and kick the ball back and forth, sprint into the middle of that rondo and then slide tackle a completely stationary ball for <laughs> no reason. And I fell in love with that moment. So uh, I'm going to miss the weird and also the quality left back play, but mostly the weird because Joe, the, the bell era starts now. Start bellow. Bell start mm-hmm. fucking bellow, man. It's going to be awesome. I'll be really excited to see a whole season of George Bell. I'm already getting like my fingers are tingling just just thinking about it, um, which is probably a little messed up. But uh, that's that's <laughs> another thing. I got to see a doctor about that. Please um, help, yes, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it can't be understated how important Garza was towards the end of the season. Like you really think about it, the season turned around the exact moment he came into the <laughs> back into the squad. Like even. In the Toronto game, even though we lost that game pretty bad, things got a lot better when he came into that game for Chris McCann. Um, and then, and that was basically that was his first appearance after like five months of being out. So um, yeah. the the speed at which he was able to get himself back into like first team, like you know, great form was pretty incredible and and vital for this team. Um. So, yeah, I mean, he will be missed at left back. But I think, you know, I, I honestly don't think we'll lose that much with Bellow. In fact, I think, if anything, Bellow probably gives us a little bit more going forward. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. A little more I don't know. Yeah, he's a, kind of a different player. For sure. Um, For sure. He's they're both more like of a attacking left than... backs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, which is going to be different. But again, that's another one of these long-term investments where we're eventually going to see a huge return for George if he develops right. And we're going to see a big payoff 
in MLS terms uh, if, he, if he continues to develop right because he's just so ridiculously, ridiculously talented. Uh, the, the sky's the limit for that kid. And it's just going to be one of those things where it's another part of the process. Now that we are a few years into this, we're, we're going to see the academy kids. We're going to see the homegrown kids uh, start to make an impact. And when we can begin to mix uh, what will hopefully be the best academy in the country by that point and the best homegrown collection in the country with uh, the, the Pity Martinez's of the world coming in, um, this club is set up for, for a ton of success in the future uh, on multiple levels, which is really exciting. And this is, this is the first step. While we're talking about the academy and these types of players, player yeah. to keep an eye on that has not been talked about much lately, um, probably because he hasn't played a game yet for Atlanta United uh, in their academy, to my knowledge. Maybe he has uh, behind closed doors or something. This kid will vent. Yeah, Will Vint from Manchester United. Yeah, from Manchester United. His, I think he lost his work permit status because his parents moved back to the United States or something. Uh, That's probably wrong, but um, I don't think. I think he was forced to leave for like a legal reason, and so basically he chose Atlanta United. Like basically, we recruited him. Like it was like a school, (laughs) like a college football player or something. Like (laughs) right. And I think that's the great thing. If you're you're Atlanta United, like that's the advantage you have, though, is that you can like pull kids from wherever. He's not the only one that we've pulled from from outside of like the Georgia area. Um, I want to say Justin Garces is not from. I think his first name is Justin. Uh, He's not from the Atlanta area. I don't think. Um, I think we've gotten another kid from Philadelphia. We got like a guy like Lauren Kissy you know, like he's not from Atlanta. So, yeah. you know, that's kind of the advantage you have at, as, a, uh, as Atlanta United with like the amazing stat, uh, you know, training facilities. And that's just an approach that the team has taken to, you know, to, to the way they build the Academy. I know like I heard Paul McDonough, uh, former Atlanta United uh, front office, staffer saying that he's in now Miami and they like want to make one of their, they want to form their Academy around kids from Miami. They don't want to take from the outside area. And that's just like a, it's just a personnel decision, whatever it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like everyone can do it their own way. But personally, I like taking kids from wherever and just, you know, attracting the best talent from wherever it comes and whoever wants to come sign. Oh, you got, you. you got to recruit nationally, man. <laughs> that's How right. going to keep up with Bama. We don't um, just build a wall. We don't just build a wall around Atlanta. No, no, we're going we go outside. We go outside at yep, national level. Um, speaking of keeping an eye on on homegrowns, Joe Patrick, who who's keeping an eye on Andrew Carlton? <clears throat> this is tough. <laughs> this is a tough one because I really like Andrew Carlton. You do too. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's tough to see because we <clears throat> not like we know him personally or anything, but you know just from having talked to him. A couple times on occasion um just seems like a nice guy you know like a happy-go-lucky kind of guy who puts himself out there um which we've talked about before that we said we liked um but it can possibly have some pitfalls and now we're kind of starting to see that where he's he puts himself out there too much and it kind of comes back not not even like comes back to bite him it's like he kind of loses his perspective on what he's what his mm, I like I, I almost said like what his purpose is that sounds terrible but like what his <laughs> goals are as like sure. a professional um look, look let's let's kind of let's explain the situation a little bit here too um the, the understanding the rumor anyway is um that Andrew was uh celebrating early <laughs> I guess uh, before MLS Cup, the night before, um, and you know, got caught doing that instead of doing whatever I guess it was he really needed to to be doing. Uh, even though he probably knew he wasn't going to be on the bench or anything like that, or be in the eighteen. Um, at least I'm assuming maybe he maybe he was supposed to. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but you know, um, if you know you're not going to be the eighteen, fine, go do whatever you want. You're 17 and have way more money than I'll have in my life. Um, <laughs> go have fun. Uh, but just make sure you're, you're dumb friends or you aren't putting it out on social media, etc. 
um, if that is what happened. I'm still not entirely convinced that's exactly what happened um, because someone would have seen the, the social media or had to have Snapchats or have the screenshots, I mean, um, and no one seems to. So I'm still a little confused on the reasoning for it, but even still it indicates something that Andrew definitely messed up on. And I keep saying this, I keep saying this, Joe Patrick, and everyone kind of blows it off, but this is, this is the origin story, man. Every origin story, you got to have, you got to have the turn. You got to mm-hmm. have the, the call to call to the hero or whatever it is in the, in the origin story. And, the, and this is it. This is Andrew Carlton's time to, to realize that he's got to buckle down and get things done. And it's going to be a big deal and pay off in a big way because he was suspended from MLS Cup and the parade, man. They kept him out from the parade. That one was just crazy to me. They didn't let him show up to that. So hopefully he, he learns a little bit here and we see him making an impact next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a good point you make is that, you know, and that's something that I've been trying to stress whenever I've talked about this is that like, this isn't the end for him. Um, it might be the end for him at Atlanta United. Uh, we don't know that. That's just, that's, that could happen. You know, who knows if he gets moved in the off season. Um, but it's definitely not the end for him and his career or anything like that. Um, similar to Barco, you know, it's just like these, pl- I think it's just easy to lose perspective and forget that these are kids who are 18 years old, 17 years old, whatever they are. Um, right. And they make mistakes and I made mistakes when I was that age. Thank God I wasn't in like as public of a sphere and didn't have like the responsibilities put on me that they had um, because I probably would have failed to an even greater extent than I already did fail in my life. But like everyone makes those mistakes. Everyone has those failures. And so, yeah, you just got to you just got to try to bounce back from that. And I think that, you know, when we talk about his Atlanta United career being over, possibly, um, like that might be the case because it's the best thing for Andrew Carlton. You know, like I'm, I'm kind of in that camp where it's like, I just want the best for him. And if that means he needs to go somewhere to get away from some of the people that, you know, might be leading him down the wrong road or, um, just, he needs to be somewhere where he can be totally focused on soccer, um, on making himself the best professional he can be. Um, if that's Atlanta, that would be awesome. If it's not, then so be it. I hope that he does whatever is best for his him and his career. So um, I just tend to think that that might be like, I'm just think I just feel like if I were him, maybe not if I were him, but if like I were his parents or his advisor, I would want him to go somewhere where like he didn't speak the language, was totally uncomfortable, and he had nothing to focus his mental and physical energy on but soccer. And like that, let that be the place where he expresses himself um, because we know he can do that, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting decision too, for a coach to make in literally his last game with the team, you know, his, his last thing with Andrew Carlton was to, to punish him essentially. Um, I mean, so, yeah, the team, the, the punishment for the game and yeah, for the game, the post-game celebration was definitely from the team. The parade could have been a could have been like a parental decision, possibly. Um, sure. Who knows? It's yeah. and that's why I, like I'm a little uncomfortable talking about this because we don't know all the facts, right? But um, it doesn't seem like it's the first time. In fact, like there's been other instances on Instagram where he's been, you know, very questionable things <laughs> have happened. I got hacked. Yeah, and he's had to claim he's been hacked, which usually when you have to claim that, yeah. it's probably not it. But, you know, yeah. best of luck to him, whether it's here or elsewhere in the future. Hopefully it's here. But if not, good luck yeah. to him. I, I think he stays for, for whatever reason. Um, but, you know, it may have a lot to do with whatever the new coach is coming in. Um, mm-hmm. And we're hearing a few different options for that. It will not be... Uh, Sam Pauli, Sam, uh, Sam, whatever his name is, Jorge, won't be him, won't be him. But yeah. it may be, it may be, it may be GBS. It may be, is that Alan Pardew's music? I think it is. I think I did just hear <laughs> Super Troopers by ABBA. And so he's dancing Alan Pardew to it. might be coming in. Uh, who knows? Who knows, man? There are a few options here. Uh, what are you hearing on your end, and who do you like? I'm sorry. Did you just say who am I hearing? 
Yeah, man. Where, where, where's your ITK? <laughs> where's your uh, Where's your connections with MLS? What are you What are you um, told here? Yeah, I was just texting with Guillermo uh, last night, and uh-huh, uh-huh. he had a nice cheese cheese plate for dinner. Of course. Um. No, I I I don't know. So like. The thing about Berescoloto, it seems like too perfect based on his like like on the surface level, the fact that he's won these championships, he's from Argentina, he's played in MLS, you know, all these things makes him seem like the perfect coach. And because of that, I like have this lingering doubt that it's like that it's not so perfect. Um my personal favorite is Gabriel Gabriel Einza from uh, Velez. He's a European legend as a player. He played for Manchester United, PSG, Barcelona, uh, or not? I'm sorry, not Barcelona, Real Madrid. Um, so he has like a tons of connections uh, in Europe from his playing days. And by all accounts, our friend Peter Coates, who we interviewed earlier this season, mm-hmm. uh, he's like the preeminent English language Argentine league uh, reporter. He says that he's like one of the outstanding managers in the league. Uh, obviously we got Yamil Assad from Velez. So I think he would be a great candidate. I don't know if he has any interest in coming here. Probably not. Um, so he's one to keep an eye on. Another one from Argentina is Gabriel Melito. Um, I forget where he is now. Um, O'Higgins or something. He's one of the smaller Argentine sides. Um, another European legend played for Barcelona. He's an Independiente legend uh, as well, and he managed Independiente when Barco came up into the fir- in the first team squad. So they would have a relationship. So that could be an interesting one. Um, maybe they go with him to try to see if they can kind of use that existing relationship to kind of get Barco feeling comfortable and get him going again. It's possible. Um, those are probably the three biggest name managers that we've heard of. Um, but we're also hearing rumors that it could be a European guy. Coming in, Alan Pardew <laughs> in the flesh. Pardew did not deny. He did not deny that he was. Well, I forget what the report was. He didn't deny he was in that. Atlanta. Yeah, According he was at the game. One guy apparently. who saw him and talked to him, and no one else did ever see him. So, so he, yeah, he was apparently definitely. He was, he was asked maybe, if he was here. Probably for, also could be sort of in Atlanta. At some point. Yeah, he was asked if he was here to talk about the managerial job, and he did not deny it. Or, yeah, he didn't deny that. So that's the report on Pardew. <laughs> I like to think it was just him standing outside, like, um, like the hallway where Eels was and holding, like, a sign, like, in love, actually, <laughs> like, giving his pitch uh, to Barry. <laughs> and it I like, did I not like- go well. I like yeah. to think he's standing there and uh, someone like goes up and asks him a question. He Pardew just stares at him and just takes a drag of a cigarette. Amazing. And that's Amazing. the answer. I, uh, yeah, guys. I uh, Frank DeBoer. Frank yeah, DeBoer. Yeah, that pops up Another, Norio, yeah. No, someone long- else. Skiretta. Skiretta. Yeah, Skiretta said that uh, Frank DeBoer is a candidate. He uh, was an, a man- manager at Ajax, won, a, won some titles there. Um, but- <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> and he's managed three places. He's managed Ajax, then he managed Inter for 17 games, and it was and a disaster. Then? And then he managed at Crystal Palace. They actually like hired him. They went through a whole scouting coaching search, hired him as the manager in the offseason. He got the transfers in, he got the players through preseason, and fired after five games. <laughs> sounds so. sounds top. Sounds top. <laughs> Let's bring him in. I've always wanted the, I don't know, the Jason Crease of Crystal Palace to <laughs> come in and, and take over. But he want, he's got rings. He's got he's got the rings. If you're a rings guy, like uh, like the Guillermo Barroscoloto fans, if, they're, if you're a rings guy, then, you know, he's got to be someone you're interested in because, you know, yeah. IX titles, man. Uh-huh. Of his e. My thing is... Are, it's about are, as easy to win a title at IX as it is at Boca. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, it's true. Um, my thing is though, like our young Argentinians going to be looking at Frank DeBoer and being like, yeah, I want to come, I, I want to come play for that dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know exactly who that is. Let's do it. Um, cause that was such the big draw of, of Tata to, to have that name recognition. 
Um, eventually, eventually the Atlanta United brand is going to outweigh whatever manager we have um, as far as players knowing it's a place they can go. And like I said, we're starting to see that with Pity Martinez, but my, my biggest thing uh, with this next coach is that we have someone to further that idea that this is a place for South American talent and talent from really anywhere to come and you know get to that next level. Um, and, and that starts with, uh, and this is very college football of me, but you've got to have someone who can, who can crew, man. You got to have someone who can crew. Got to, uh, got to get the crews in. Get the crews in. Um, so you got to have someone who's going to connect with people. Um, and, and someone like GBS or, or the guy from Independiente, whose name you said really quickly. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> Gabriel Melito. Melito. Um, you know, they could, they could, they could carry that weight, I think. And, and that's, where Atlanta United's looking, that's where they're going to go, in my opinion. Um, but it is fun to have Pardue, and should, I, I would like to start the big Sam rumor on this show right now and see how far it gets out. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's fun to mention those guys, but uh, it's going to be someone with some clout, I think, in South America. Let's bring Alan Green back while we're at it. <laughs> we still have articles to post about Alan. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that, we'll find out that pretty soon. Darren set a date of like January 14th for us to have that solidified. Who knows what it actually means? Um, he could have just picked a random so date. So soon. But, uh, you know, uh, it's all moving quickly. Uh, the season lasted forever. I mean, I remember we started in February and going to Nashville and, and playing in their first game. And then now we're all the way here. Uh, having won MLS Cup and getting prepared for the next year and getting prepared for for Champions League stuff. And um, it'll be interesting to see what we do in preseason because we're not doing Charleston Champions. The mm-hmm. What's it called? The Charleston Champions? Oh, two oh. Challenge Champions. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that's it. Um, I still have yet to say that thing right once. So it sounds like we might be playing some Mexican teams, um, possibly playing at altitude, trying to get ourselves accustomed to playing in uh, CONCACAF Champions League. So, ah, oh, it's so fun, so exciting. Uh, we're, we're starting the DSS GoFundMe now for Sam and Joe's trip to Monterey, by the way, um, if anyone wants to get that together for the second round. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. Hold a lot of stuff coming your way. Um, as always, Check out DSS. Check out us uh, at James Corsi. Jones at J Patrick 200. Uh, we're at five stripe final. If you're just listening to this for the first time, don't follow us on Twitter. Um, and of course at dirty South sock, blah, 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 blah. The website's great. We have awesome content all the time. We've got babies being born and we're talking about it on there. Uh, we've been baby South soccer this week. We've had multiple baby stories. Um, mm-hmm. Shout out to Nick Deluzio, by the way, for, <laughs> for having a child. Uh, immediately after the game. Um, that's a great story up on the site. Jason Smith's got a great story up on the site. Just check out Dirty South Soccer. Y'all. Just check it out. Just check out the it's website. Been a great we week have- on Dirty South Soccer. Great, great stuff going up this week. Absolutely. As for uh, our plans, I mean, like, there. obviously we do this podcast after games, or we try to. Um, yeah, that schedule kind of got thrown off at the end of the year here. Um, we'll yeah, probably just, like, get, I don't know, we'll get together whenever we feel like there's big news to talk about. Yeah, or whenever y'all peer pressure us into it. <laughs> right, pretty much. That's when we get on, is when we get enough peer pressure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Keep so doing that. We'll figure it out. Keep but, us yeah. accountable. Hold us accountable. For sure. For sure. Uh, but then we'd be right back to the regular schedule. Because like, I was, uh, was going to say, like, yeah, we're going to take a break this off season. And it's like, well, a break <laughs> is like two weeks, yep. two or three weeks. And then we'll have to be, you know, have stuff to talk about again. So never ends. That's why it's great. Twice this will three. probably be our last one for the year. I think it's safe to say that. Or 2018. I don't know. I may just do one because I'm bored. I'm doing nothing right now. If you, want to, if you want to do an interview or something, like the the one I did with Sebastian Salazar, um, which go check it out if you haven't heard it, that was just impromptu. I did not yeah. even expect to be doing that as a podcast. But If anyone happens to come by my parents' house that's worth interviewing, I will, I will <laughs> let you know. <laughs> just go stand on the street corner with a uh, sign. It's time. It's time to go. It's been a long one, but we felt you deserved been a long one. All this, um, but man, we uh, go check out our, our three minute show we did live from MBS. If you want to get the full expanse of joy that we were feeling in the, in that moment um, after the game, uh, but yeah, congratulations to you, the people, for for sticking with us all year and sticking with the United and 
taking home the first championship in a real long time. It was it was really fun. It was really fun. If you have lasted this long, tweet a banana emoji at J Sam Jones. J underscore Sam Jones. <laughs> Unless you're muted, then don't then don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, do that. Sure, why not? <laughs> I'm just curious. All right, love this is y'all. Market research. Bye. Bye. Hurry, boy, it's waiting there for you.